Houthi rebels downed a U.S. drone in the Red Sea. How have the Houthis continued their attacks despite U.S. responses? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. In terms of um, recovery options, I know CENTCOM is looking into that, um, but I don't believe it has been recovered at this time. And student veterans receive mental health care at far higher rates than the overall veteran population. What does this all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. First up, Pentagon officials confirmed that Yemen's Iran-backed Houthi rebels downed an American MQ-9 Reaper drone that cost roughly $30 million. The downing of a U.S. asset shows the rebels remain capable of launching significant attacks. That's despite a steady bombardment by the U.S. Navy and its allies. The Houthis on Tuesday released footage of what they described as a surface-to-air missile bringing down the Reaper drone. Pentagon officials later confirmed Tuesday that type of drone is used for attack missions and surveillance flights. Pentagon officials later confirmed Tuesday that the drone was shot down. So I can confirm that on February 19th, a U.S. MQ-9 was downed uh, or went down off the coast of Houthi-controlled areas in Yemen uh, in the Red Sea. Initial indications are that it was shot down by a Houthi surface-to-air missile. The footage also included video of men dragging pieces of debris from the water onto a beach. Here's why it matters. The U.S. continues to use pricey missiles and other assets to take down relatively cheap and low-budget Houthi assaults in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden. The loss of the Reaper drone Tuesday raises further questions about what the battle with the Houthis is costing the U.S. in terms of munition stocks. The Houthis are largely using cheaper weapons supplied by Iran. No U.S. personnel have been injured since the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden attacks started in October. Earlier this week, they damaged another ship. A Belize-flagged bulk carrier on Monday was hit and became inoperable. The crew was forced to abandon the vessels, while analysts warned that the longer the Houthi attacks in the vital Red Sea waterway go on, the greater the risk that the disruptions to global trade will weigh down the global economy. The continued assaults by the Houthis on shipping through the Red Sea also show the challenges of trying to stop the guerrilla-style attacks. Attacks have continued even after countless U.S. retaliatory strikes over such missile attacks. Another important story, student veterans are receiving mental health care at a far higher rate than the rest of the veteran population. For more on this, Capitol Hill Bureau Chief Leo Shane III joins the episode. So Leo, a watchdog report found some trends among student veterans and their use of mental health care. What were they exactly? Yeah, what the Government Accountability Office found was that student veterans are using VA health care for mental health care at a much higher rate than other veterans. Um, In fiscal 2022, about 70% of students who went to VA for health care were going for mental health needs. Could be for post-traumatic stress, uh, depression, whole series of issues. In the general veterans community, that's only about 40%, so really a substantially higher amount um, and this is consistent uh, going all the way back to fiscal 2017. They, they looked at six years. So really a, a, a kind of a, a shocking number. But, you know, the Government Accountability Office did break it down and say some of this is, is clearly stressors that student veterans have that the rest of the veterans community don't have, you know, trying to balance 
family life and, and school projects, reintegration, some of the getting back into, into the classroom and figuring out how that works. Um, but some of it may just be a reflection of demographics, too. Younger veterans are much more likely to seek mental health care than older veterans, and uh, student veterans are, are generally younger than, than other veterans. About 62% of veterans um, who are using their GI Bill right now are under 34. So it may also just be a function of uh, a positive trend of younger veterans being more willing to seek mental health care um, for, for needs that, that might arise. And how did research Researchers say the government could address some of these issues. Yeah, there's a the handful of things that all point to the, the same issue, which is really just making uh, making programs and making outreach uh, more available, letting veterans know what resources are out there and what benefits are out there to help them with their, their mental health care needs. One in particular is called the Veterans Integration to Academic Leadership Program. Um, this allows VA uh, health centers to partner with local universities, local colleges, and find ways to really um, you know, amplify the mental health um, um, uh, resources available, uh, working with campus-based resources and, and doing that. But um, currently only 32 of VA's 139 healthcare systems have those kind of programs. So really still pretty rare out there. And VA has said that they want to bump that up. They're going to be doing more outreach and, and publicity on that, encouraging more healthcare systems to get involved with that starting next month. Also on your radar for today, Anderson Air Force Base in Guam is set to open its doors to half of Singapore's F-15 fighter jet fleet. The Singapore-related upgrades to host the aircraft in the U.S. territory entail the bed-down and mission support of up to 12 Singaporean F-15SG aircraft. Officials said the changes will also increase airfield and munitions infrastructure to address capability gaps and enhance how ground operations are carried out. The construction is expected to affect 209 acres and take place over a period of three to seven years. Here's why it matters. The move to concentrate air warfare capabilities at the remote American installation is part of a modernization plan proposed by the U.S. Air Service. It would also provide a hub closer to China for repairing aircraft should a shooting war break out in the West Pacific. Over the past few years, North Korea has threatened a number of times to attack the small island. Singapore signed an initial $1.6 billion deal with Boeing in 2005 for the procurement of 12 F-15 SG fighter aircraft, after which it ordered an additional 12 aircraft, resulting in a fleet of at least 24 fighters. And now here's some other stories we're hearing chirps about. CNN reported that the U.S. is assessing whether a recent airstrike against Al-Shabaab in Somalia killed two Cuban doctors as the terror group claims. Defense One reported that the Air National Guard estimates Ukraine's pilots will start graduating from F-16 fighter jet training in May. Julian Assange's lawyers opened a final UK legal challenge yesterday to stop the WikiLeaks founder from being sent to the US to face spying charges. He was indicted over his website's publication of classified US documents almost 15 years ago. And the Washington Post reported that documents revealed Abraham Lincoln pardoned President Joe Biden's great-great-grandfather in connection to a late-night brawl during the Civil War. And on this day in history, in 1972, President Richard Nixon landed in the People's Republic of China for a historic visit. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com slash EBB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Zimone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by the Associated Press, 
Leo Shane III, and Elizabeth Gosselin Mallow. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.